You can go from I should start a podcast to actually starting a podcast with Spreaker. Spreaker's tools allow you to record, manage, distribute, and monetize any podcast idea, whether it's about your business or even your cat. And as your podcast grows, Spreaker helps you manage your success and even monetize it. That means all you need to get started is a microphone and a really good idea. Learn more and get 30% off at Spreaker.com slash get started. That's S-P-R-E-A-K-E-R dot com slash get started. to the porch here on Firefall Talk Radio. I'm Richard Grund. This is where we get back to basics. We examine the Word of God. We follow the example of the Book of Acts Church, and we look at how they serve the Lord. I believe, and I believe that you do too, that their example will get us back to where we need to be. We take a deeper look into Scripture. We don't water it down. We don't filter it. We follow the Red Letter Basics. The porch's goal has always been to restore the priesthood of the believer and regaining that world-shaking influence the Book of Acts Church had. The church age is still in effect. It hasn't ended, folks. The fire still falls. The day of Pentecost is ongoing. The porch was created as an outreach of Solomon's Porch, Inc., a Florida non-for-profit. Go to OnSolomon'sPorch.org for that website, or you could just go to FirefallTalkRadio.com. You can find out ways how to contact us. If you have any questions or any needs or prayer requests or praise reports you'd like shared, you can also find ways to support us. We ask that you give as the Lord leads and the Word inspires. We appreciate each and every one of you that do support us coming up on the end of the year, hoping that we can meet our goals and then go into 2020 with some momentum. Make sure you bookmark the Spreaker site. The only place you can hear us live and the first place everything gets posted is here on Spreaker.com. Spreaker.com forward slash user forward slash Firefall Talk Radio. We do archive here as well as Apple Podcast, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. So welcome. Welcome to all the listeners. We always start out with praise reports and prayer requests. If you don't want to participate in that, just jump to the part where it says shofar, and that'll take you into the lesson. But if you want to be a part of this community, if you want to be a part of the prayer and the fellowship and the family that we have created over these years, stay with us. We always start with that praise reports. We never go to the Lord asking. We go to the Lord praising. So I praise him for my home, for my wife, for my family, sons, daughter-in-laws, grandsons, our furry kids, all the possessions that we have. And when I say furry kids, you understand we we have dogs and not just hairy children. Well, they are hairy and they are children, but they're actually dogs. I don't, I don't tell them that. I, wanna, I don't want to hurt their feelings or give them an inferiority complex. So keep that to yourself. Praise him. <laughs> Sorry. Praise him for his protection over all of us and praise him for giving me this warped sense of humor uh, for the ministry that he allows me to work. It's his ministry, not mine. For the dreams and the visions, which, boy, are they active right now. I thank him for them and for the Spirit's ability to explain them. Praise him for his healing virtues. Maybe you have a need. Maybe that was your prayer request tonight. Well, I'm here to tell you that his healing virtues are still active and still available. I praise him for the ability to praise him. I love to praise the Lord. I love to sing and make a joyful noise. And and I was in the gym this morning and listening to praise and worship uh, while I was training and um, raising my hands towards heaven. Many people probably thought I was stretching, but I was praising the Lord. I'm a new creation. I praise him for that. Praise him that we're living in these prophetic times. Yes, America has its problems. Boy, does it have its problems. But you know what? We can do this. We don't have to worry about 
being shut down or arrested like our brothers and sisters around the world. I praise him for the signs that he's getting ready to return. Let's get ready. And and let's praise him for the favor and the revelation and everything that comes with the flow of the Spirit during these times. Prayer requests, well, as always, I start out by praying for the Middle East, praying for Israel and the peace of Jerusalem. That means the Prince of Peace coming back, so that's really important. I pray for the fatherless, the widows, the innocents, the victims of injustice. Injustice seems to be prevalent and increasing, but you know what? It's been around since the beginning of time. But as we get to the end, it's going to increase. I pray against the slaughter of the innocents, both in and out of the womb, the victims of sex trafficking, the diabolical satanic activity, which is worldwide and very um, profitable for those that do that. So pray against it. Pray for these young men and women and children that are being kidnapped or taken or sold into human trafficking and slavery. I pray for our brothers and sisters around the world that are being slaughtered and persecuted for their faith. And the religious persecution and the anti-Semitism, which is on the rise worldwide, the numbers are staggering, the events are staggering. It's obvious that this anti-Semitic spirit, the satanic spirit, has grown in Europe and in parts of America. I pray for divine wholeness, health, and continued healing as we get back to our divine design. I am believing by faith, speaking to things not as they are, but as they should be, that we are getting back to where we need to be to serve him and do what he needs done. So right now I pray for healing for all who are sick, injured, emotionally, mentally, physically, spiritually. In the name of Yeshua HaMashiach, be healed, be whole. I'm praying for inspiration, for us to receive the inspiration and the revelation of the Holy Spirit, but also to be inspired to take that fire out into the world. That means the remnant's got to wake up. It has to rise up. It has to answer this call to action that we've been blaring here on the porch. For those that have been blessed to be a blessing, the porch can use it. Firefall can use it. SRT can use it. We'd like to finish that documentary, but we we tried to do a feature film documentary on one-tenth of the actual budget, and we're just short of completing what we need to do to make it what I believe the Lord wants it to be. So pray with us for that. Praying that the doors would open once it is done, and that we would all prosper in accordance with His Word, not just financially, but spiritually, emotionally, mentally, on every level. And that the open conduits of his blessings to to fund his dreams and visions and missions which are laid out before us. I've been spending time in prayer. I've isolated myself and doing nothing but prayer and the Bible study here at the porch. That's the only thing the Lord would let me do. And some of what I'm teaching I'm sharing with you um, that I'm getting from the revelation. But But the key is that 2020 is going to be a time of answering the call, of fulfilling the mission. So pray pray with us for that. Continue to pray for Pastor Shelley and his renewal and his restoration and his healing. I'm asking for prayer from my family, not just for me, but for my son Jesse and his wife Aubrey. Um, there are some legal matters and some adversity hanging over our heads. We're praying for divine favor and resolution and for God to be glorified and for the enemy to be shut down and subjected. And of course, Pray for our lost family members. The only other praise report or prayer request I have right now is from Kim in Fort Mitchell. She says, I praise my Heavenly Father for my sobriety and for saving my soul. said, although I fail him oh so often, he chose me and delivered me from the enemy's plot against me. I praise him for my children and the life he gave me. I praise him for everything he provides for us. Praise him for this community and the friends I made here. Father, please forgive my sins. Help me to make better choices. Help me to truly forgive, just like you have forgiven me so many times. Save my husband and mother's soul. Heal them. Continued prayers of healing for Rhoda, Pastor Shelley, and Woody's father. So, Lord, protect my children and deliver them. Heal our family, Father. 
Praying for my friend Stacy and her family, Lord, guide me, deliver me from feelings that are not of you. Lord, bless us and favor us in Jesus' name. Well, she mentioned Rhoda's healing. Rhoda is a very important member of our porch family, a supporter of what we do, a wonderful lady who is fearfully and wonderfully made. Well, if you've been following the porch and those of you that went to the sea conference, you know that she had a little bit of a cancer scare and, and they found some stuff and they wanted her to come back because they thought it wasn't done. Well, her and her husband went back from the meeting with the doctor to get the pathology report because the pathology report came back and uh, she's cancer free. Yep. Praise report. Rhoda is cancer free. So right now we just praise you, Lord. We praise you that you did what they didn't think could be done. We praise you that this is going to be a testimony everywhere she goes during this holiday season to everybody that will stand still long enough they're going to hear about you. So, Father, we love you and we thank you. We thank you that your word is true. We thank you that your promises are yea and amen, that you are not a a practical joker. If you said it, you're going to do it. It's going to happen. And we thank you that you fulfilled your promises from Genesis to rescue us, to give us a Savior, your only begotten Son, who shed every drop of blood and was scourged and beaten and flesh torn apart, hair ripped out, so that we could be reconciled to you, the Lamb of God, slain before the foundation of the world. The blood shed on the altar set us free from sin, set us free from bondage, set us free from the bondage and the, and the control of this world. We thank you for what you're doing for us. We thank you for what you're doing for Rhoda and taking her and showing the world how wonderfully made she is in your image through your love as her Heavenly Father. So I pray that for every listener here that needs a miracle. Be encouraged. Know that his word is true. We thank you for the cross. We thank you for the empty tomb. We thank you for the upper room. Lord, we just thank you for how much you love us and and the relationship we have with you and the ability to be restored to our Heavenly Father, that we are brothers and sisters of the same family. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for walking with us, guiding us, encouraging us, and doing what you're doing in these dark times, shining on us and through us. Right now, touch us. Fill us with the fire. Renew the fire. Let that fire grow. Throw some oil on it. Let it explode, Lord. I just thank you for it. I thank you for the times with you. And I thank you for this time with you. I pray that you'd bless the technology. I pray that your word would go forth and it would do what you ordained it to do. And I pray that in Yeshua's name. Amen. Lessons are proprietary information, except where noted the information comes from outside sources. Combination of that information, the matter presented is exclusive, cannot be repeated or used without permission. The date of this broadcast serves as the registered date of the following information. So we've been talking about being extremely dangerous, and we're going to follow that up tonight. I think we're finishing it, but I never know what the Lord And we talked about Peter becoming extremely dangerous on the day of Pentecost. And we talked about Acts chapter 2 after he came out of the upper room, after he explained that they were not drunk. And he concluded his commentary, if you will, his presentation, his exhortation this way. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Yeshua, whom you crucified, both Adonai and Messiah, Lord and Messiah. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart, which meant the Holy Spirit was on his voice for conviction to happen, and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent, and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Yeshua, the Messiah, 
for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. And with many other words he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together, and they had all things in common, and sold their possessions and goods, and divided them among all, as any one had need. So continually, continuing daily with one accord in the temple, and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. The church at that moment became an occupying army. They were told to tarry. They were told to occupy. They were told to stay. And at that moment, they became an occupying army. Yes, the enemy was defeated on Calvary. The battle was won, but the war goes on because the enemy refuses to submit. He must be taken into submission. And that is the church's job until the Lord comes back and finishes it off. 3,000 people saved and baptized, set free from bondage, and the capture of the enemy plundered from the strong man's grip. 120 multiplied into 3,120 in one morning. The ongoing rescue campaign of the Book of Acts Church began. Well, the kingdom of darkness knew they could not stop it. So they had to run a parallel mirror campaign in their own kingdom. Which means whatever we're doing, they're doing the exact opposite of. In, inverted in its intention, its motivation, and its application. And they are at war with us as much, if not more so, than we are with them. But that has to change. That's what this is about. That's what my prayer time is about. That's what these teachings are about. We must get proactive and extremely dangerous. If you remembered, I shared the passing of Reinhard Bonnke, a well-known evangelist. And I wanted to reread again something he said because it applies. It applies to this. He said, Jesus did not call us to deliver sermons. He called us to deliver people. And I believe this is what happens at our crusades. I'm not decorating prison cells. I'm setting the captives free. Think about the visual of that. He's not telling people in their prison cells how to become more comfortable and make it look better. He's breaking the chains and opening the, the gates and the doors so that they can get out. We're, we're not called to decorate their prison cells. We're called to set them free. He went on to say, we need the Great Commission, and we have the Holy Spirit. If we, only, if we only have the Great Commission and then only have the Holy Spirit, we'd have power without purpose and purpose without power, but it's a package deal. So that's what I'm talking to you about. That's what the porch is all about. That's what SRT is all about. The Great Commission empowered by the fire of the Holy Spirit. We need to pack that package deal to reignite the passionate relationship that the Book of Acts Church had with the Lord. We don't need smoke and mirrors. We don't need entertainment services. We need to show up for a lost and dying world. We need to show up. We don't need the show. We need to show up. Spirit of lawlessness that began in the Garden of Eden and exploded during the days of Noah. Power it led the world into the habitual practice of sin. It made mankind powerless, victimized, slaves. You want to talk about trafficking and slavery? It starts there. First John 3, 4, whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness. 
and sin is lawlessness. So if you ever wonder what lawlessness sin is, is, it's a rebellion against authority, but it's sin. And the evil and deception of the man of sin, it already exists in the world. It has since the beginning. And you would think, well, Jesus died, rose from the grave, the blood, the power, the Holy Spirit, the man of sin, and the spirit of lawlessness is still here. And during that time, the Apostle John stated that many Antichrists, many that were against the work of the Messiah, were very active. And they continue to be active. He said in 1 John 2.18, Little children, it is the last hour. And you have heard that the Antichrist is coming. Even now, many Antichrists have come, by which we know that it's the last hour. Everyone and everything that rises up against the Spirit of the living God, rises up against the Spirit of His Son, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, is anti-Christ in nature. It is adversarial in nature. Therefore, it is satanic in nature. And its means are to deceive. They do it by worshiping false gods or false religions or doing things that shouldn't even be talked about. Oh, and that's just in the church. Second Corinthians 6.14, Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? And what communion has light with darkness? Well, the answer is none. Sin is natural to the children of this world, to the children of the devil who has sinned from the beginning. But it should be unnatural to the children of God. So, so I've got a couple of questions. How can we be extremely dangerous when we tolerate and support the enemy? How can we be effective in warfare if we consort with the enemy? Consorting with the enemy is treason. We were called to restrain it through the power of the Holy Spirit. The mystery of lawlessness, the hidden principle of rebellion against constituted authority is already work in the world, but it is only restrained until he who restrains it is taken out of the way, Second Thessalonians 2.7. Well, God has restrained sin through the power of the Holy Spirit, which he gave to his church. And until the church is taken out of the way via the rapture, because we can't exist without the presence of the Holy Spirit. The restraint of the man of lawlessness and of sin is in place, but the minute it's yanked out, it's like the gates have been thrown open. There's no longer a lock on the gates. I believe at that moment that things will come out of the pit and get back on the earth, and they'll try to regain their kingdoms, which were taken from them at the end of the days of Noah during the flood. So what do we do? What should we do? Men and women of the church, what shall we do? First of all, we've got to get back in the Word. John fifteen seven and 8, If you remain in me, this is the Lord speaking, Red Letter Basics, If you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. Now, does that mean anything? Well, if I go to the Lord and they say, Lord, I'm your words are me and I'm in you, so how about putting an escalator in my driveway? Well, if that's what he wants to, he can do it, but it means it must line up with the word. It must line up with his desires for you, and I believe it must further the kingdom. I believe everything that he does is to glorify him. Yes, he loves us and he wants to bless us, but he's not going to give you something that will do you harm or destroy you. So you may ask for anything you want to be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples, worthy of my name. This brings great glory to my Father. He wants us to produce fruit. 
And, of course, that could be the fruit of the Spirit. That could be the fruit of salvation and setting the captives free. I believe that we produce fruit when we glorify him by what we say and do, when his word is in us. Remember, he told his disciples, which I believe also applies to us, in John fifteen sixteen. you didn't choose me, I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. Yes, that is the name of Jesus, the Messiah, Yeshua HaMashiach. It still has authority and power. So my heart's cry for us, for the porch, for you, and let's go forth in his name and conquer. Let's go forth in his name and set the captives free. Let's go forth in his name and plunder the strong man's goods. John eight thirty one, and you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. Well, you, you have a choice, and you've always had a choice, and I've never watered it down. I've never pampered or, or made it easy. You're either faithful to the world or you're faithful to his word. There is no in between. You can't have a foot in two worlds. The minute you do that, I believe you have made a commitment to the fallen world. See, the Book of Acts Church understood that. They did not compromise. They did not water it down. They did not filter it. And they stayed in prayer and in the powerful manifestations of the Holy Spirit. That prayer made them extremely dangerous. Prayer made the Lord dangerous. First thing in the morning, last thing at night, and in between. And you may say, well, Richard, I don't have the time that you have. I don't have the ability to pray as much as you do. I'm not telling you to do that, but what I'm telling you is you need to pray more than you're praying. You need to stop the little shotgun prayers in the morning of the little drive-bys. You need to set aside time to spend time with him, to speak to him, to fellowship with him, and to listen. The Book of Acts Church believed in the promises of God, and asked God for what they needed. And he met those needs. You say, well, I don't, I don't have it. Well, you have not because you ask not. And when you do ask, you ask incorrectly. That's what James tells us. But if you at the C conference here in Orlando, I touched on this one scripture, Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now faith is the sub- substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith is the assurance, the confirmation, the title deed of ownership of the things we hope for, being the proof of things we do not see and the conviction of their reality, faith perceiving as real fact what is not revealed to our senses. Meaning, real faith is supernatural. It's not natural. It's never going to be natural. Faith made the book of Acts Church extremely dangerous. No fear, only faith. And I know some of you struggle with that. You struggle with believing and receiving. And you short-circuit it because, like James says, if you're going to say it, you must Pray it with believing, because if you doubt, you're like a a ship on the ocean being tossed back and forth and up and down because of the waves. You need to hold to it. You need to say it and believe it. You need to apprehend it by faith. You need to speak to things not as they are, but as they should be. That, That woman with the issue of blood, she had now faith. Now faith is... Now faith says, I need to grab a hold of the seats and the fringes on that prayer shawl. I need to. I need to be healed. I'm out of money. I'm out of the ability for doctors to help me. I'm out of, of I'm, I want to be with my family. I want to be back in society. I need to touch him. And I need a touch from him. That was Supernatural. And she got healed. So we need to have faith. Psalm 56 verses 3 and 4. Whenever I am afraid, I will trust in you. 
In God I will praise his word. In God I will have put my trust. I will not fear what can flesh do to me. Now, if you're not downloading these and taking notes or taking notes as I say them and highlighting the scriptures that I mention, why? Why are you not doing that? Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. You, you have to apply it. You have to listen. You have to read it. Isaiah 41.10, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous hand. That's a partnership. That's a, a give and take, which means you're going to go through some stuff. You're going to press forward. You're going to be doing things, but I'm going to be there with you. I'm going to strengthen you. I'm going to hold you up. Jeremiah, the prophet Jeremiah. Maybe we should talk about his life. He struggled a lot to be a prophet. Most real prophets do. There really is nothing glamorous about being a prophet. Jeremiah 20, verses 7 through 9. O Lord, you induced me, and I was persuaded. You are stronger than I and have prevailed. I am in derision daily. Everyone mocks me. For when I spoke, I cried out, I shouted violence and plunder, because the word of the Lord has made me a reproach and a derision daily. Then I said, I will not make mention of him, nor speak any more in his name. But his word was in my heart like a burning fire. Shut up in my bones, I was weary of holding it back, and I could not. Jeremiah found it impossible not to speak the words of God's judgment to people that didn't want to hear it, to people that killed the prophets between the altar and the holy place. It was not a good health decision, but he did it anyway. And his messages turned him into a household joke. He was mocked. He was made fun of. But he couldn't hold it back. God's word was was a consuming fire in his heart, his bones. It had to be unleashed or he would he would perish, he would be destroyed from the inside out. And unlike the deaf, dumb, spiritually cold people he was speaking to, his mental, physical, emotional, and spiritual life was overwhelmed by God's word and his will for his people. A calling is a great thing. It may not always be a good thing, but it's a great thing. It'll always be a God thing, but it may be uncomfortable. It may be unpopular. But this concept of fire is mentioned many times in the Bible. It's mentioned in the Hebrew as S-E-S and the Greek as phos, which means light, rendered as light, and also as pure, P-U-R. And it was commonplace in ancient Israel. Fire was was taken literally, mentioned several hundred times in the Bible, but it also has figurative theological applications. And generally, it relates to the manifestation of God or the actions of God. It is a theophany, a foreshadowing, a, a pre-existence of God in the fire. We know the fire of the, of the throne room. We know the, the fire of God, which did not consume the bush from which he spoke to Moses. The bush wasn't on fire. It was enveloped in the fire of God. The manifestation of God was fire. On the top of Mount Sinai, fire. And of course, Moses turned away from it because he, he was afraid. Just an honest feeling. You're out there, a bush is on fire, there's a voice coming from it. Bush is on fire, but it's not burning. And then that voice says, take off your shoes, you're on holy ground. Yeah, you're going to get a little afraid. You're going to get afraid when you see the, the fire on Mount Sinai. The children of Israel were afraid. But the fire that we have now is different. We don't have to be afraid. The world should, and the enemy definitely should. Because the fire of the Messiah, the blazing fire that the New Testament talks about, it's got the overtones of judgment. 
just by the mere presence of it, by the foreshadowing of it through us, by the foreshadowing of it through the gifts of the Spirit. That is a warning light to the enemy. And we see the image of of the Lord having eyes blazing like fire. The glory of God, the, the divinity of God in his eyes. So fire is a regular phenomenon in both the Old and New Testament. Let me say that again. The fire of God is a regular phenomenon in the Old and New Testament. Therefore, it should be a regular phenomenon in his church. Shouldn't it? We see the imagery of the baptism of fire talked about by John the Baptist in Matthew 3.11 when he says, I baptize with water those who repent of their sins and turn to God, but someone is coming soon who is greater than I. So much greater I'm not even worthy to be his slave and carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with water. The complete Jewish Bible adds an inflection to it that I really, really like, and I want to share it with you. Matthew 3.11, in the complete Jewish Bible, it says, he says, I am immersing you in water so that you might turn from sin to God. But the one who is coming after me is more powerful than I. I'm not even worthy to carry his sandals. And he will immerse you in the Ruach HaKodesh, and in fire. You know, depending upon how you were raised, you think of baptism as a quick dunk or a sprinkle. It's never a sprinkle, by the way. It's always an immersion. But this immersion in fire, the visual of it really struck me as I, I began to work on this. The message of repentance through water baptism, that's still a part of the equation. But the Lord brought an immersion in fire, Fire will purify you. Fire will heal you. Fire will empower you. John the Baptist knew that the kingdom that was coming, the kingdom of God, would be characterized by a great display of the Holy Spirit in people's lives. Now, John the Baptist, of course, he's a prophet. Of course, the Spirit's given him this knowledge, was so much more important than many of the preachers and teachers that are coming out of the seminaries. So much smarter than many of the educated PhDs and doctorates that stand in pulpits today. He understood that the kingdom of God and the church of the living God would have great displays of the Holy Spirit in it. See, that's what the prophecy of Joel that Peter referred to on the day of Pentecost. That he was going to pour out his spirit at this time. It shall come to pass afterward that I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your old, your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And on my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. Think of a giant wave. Think of a wave so big that it just overwhelms you, overflows you, or you are completely dunked, immersed, and deep into it. And then he bridges what I believe to be the day of Pentecost with the second coming and the day of the Lord. I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth blood and fire and pillars of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem there shall be deliverance, as the Lord has said, among the remnant whom the Lord calls. So we see the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost is the foreshadowing of what is to come. And then you go into Joel chapter 3 and he talks about judging the nations. None of those things are going to happen without the presence of the Holy Spirit, without the presence of the fire of God. So the immersion into the fire of God, the immersion of the fire of God, the enveloping and the absorption of the fire of God should make the children of God extremely dangerous. I I think so. 
You know, when the children of Israel stood at the foot of the mountain, Exodus twenty four seventeen, the glory of the Lord appeared at the summit like a consuming fire. It was declaring his presence. It was declaring that it was holy. A holy fire of a holy God envelops and consumes everything it touches. To the natural mind, it's unsettling. But to the enemy, it's frightening. And I will say this right now. The church is not frightening to the enemy. Oh, there are there are beacons. There are bonfires here and there. But the church itself is not frightening to the enemy. And I'm calling for a remnant. I'm calling for a resistance to rise up and answer the call to be frightening to the enemy. To be so fired up that, that there is no darkness around you in the spirit. Oh yeah, the enemy will be able to see you and might try to dissuade you, but it won't come near you. I truly believe that. I believe that when we are fired up, when I go on a mission and I am fired up and I am empowered and the Spirit envelops me and magnifies what's already inside of me, it's game over and the enemy knows that. We went to Kansas. We went to a very haunted house and we got in there and I made declarations and I declared and I decreed and I gave the enemy an opportunity to face me. And he fled. He fled. This strong man, this powerful entity, wanted nothing to do with that fight. And then the powers of darkness sent reinforcement. And Asatan sent a general in his army. And the Lord sent one of his archangels. That's the way it should be. We should be so filled with the fire of the Lord, the fire of compassion, the fire of his love, the fire of holiness, the fire of the gifts of the Spirit. Like in the upper room when the tongues of fire rested upon each of them. And the result was they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, now think about this. It wasn't an actual fire. It was tongues resembling fire. We know, I believe, it was the flickering, it was the the uh, the flicker of the tongues of the Spirit touching them, changing them, filling them, and on each one individually. Separated, distributed, settled upon each one of them, immersed them in the flames, and they were all filled, diffused through their soul with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other languages, other tongues, as the Spirit gave them the ability, clear loud expressions, so loud that they could hear them outside, that they stumbled out of the upper room, and, and the people thought, wow, these guys are drunk at 9 a.m. in the morning. What's up with this? No, these are not drunk, as you suppose. John the Baptist, this is what he was talking about, Matthew three eleven and 12. This is the spirit baptism. This is, you could refer back to the burning bush. He has enveloped his church in a fire that caused them to speak. Over and over, I keep hearing in my spirit, in my head as I've worked on this, the Holy Spirit's had something to say. And he's finally getting to say it. And what does the world and, and the enemy and the church do? But shut them up. No, we don't want to hear that. We don't want you to upset our church services. We got to be out of here to make the the specials at Golden Corral, the blue light specials. You know, we can't stay past this time. Oh, no healings, no deliverances, none of that stuff here. I'm sorry, I don't have time for that. I really don't. I have no tolerance for it. The world needs fire. You need fire. We need the manifestation of the. Th- third person of, of, of the, the throne room, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We need the Old Testament prophecies to become real and fulfilled in this time. The promise of the Father, which Yeshua talked about, fulfilled through him, through the cross, through him sending back the Holy Spirit from the throne room. The same Spirit that raised Yeshua from the dead resides in us. The same power and the same Spirit who spoke eternity and everything into existence, the universe into existence, Satan and the angels into existence resides in us. 
So why are we so powerless and subjective? Why have we become a man, be pan, be whining church? Look what the enemy did to me. Come on. Toughen up. Wake up. What's inside of you is so much greater than what's against you. Forgive me if I'm stepping on your toes. I, 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 I just don't have time to coddle you. There's a war coming. People are dying. Our brothers and sisters are, are being attacked around the world. But we, we're seeing miracles. We're seeing signs and wonders. And we're going to take this fire and we're going to set things on fire. The dry kindling of, of what are called churches and fellowships and congregations. We're bringing a spark. We're bringing a blowtorch. We're bringing a flame thrower. Because just like Jeremiah and just like Job in, in 32, 18, I'm, I'm full of words. And the spirit within me compels me. It, it, my belly is like a wine that has no vent. It's about to be burst like a new wineskin. I must find relief. I must open my lips and answer. What's it going to take? You know what I have found? from my salvation, from the ministry, from being around the homeless, being around people that that were desperate, like the woman with the issue of blood. You need a miracle? You want to see miracles? Get around people that are desperate for a miracle. People that have no other choice but to have a miracle. But we have to change. We have to light up. We have to be a flame for him. His flame is coming. He says it in Luke 12, starting with verse 49, I came to send fire on the earth, and I wish it were already kindled. It had not been kindled yet. But I have a baptism to be baptized with, and how distressed I am till it is accomplished. Do you suppose that I came to give peace on earth? I tell you, not at all, but rather division. From now on, five in one house will be divided, three against two and two against three. Father will be divided against son and son against father, mother against daughter and daughter against mother, mother mother-in-law against daughter-in-law, daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. The fire separates. I came to send a fire, the fire of judgment, the fire of the Holy Spirit. That's what's coming. Jeremiah told the people, Thus says the Lord God of hosts, Because you speak this word, behold, I will make my words in your mouth fire, and this people would and shall devour them. People have a choice. The church has a choice. Be empowered. Be healed. Be purified by this fire or be devoured. Because the church that does not submit, the church that does not go along, the church that consorts with the enemy and commits treason will be subject to what the enemy is subject to. Judgment begins at the house of the Lord. Jeremiah twenty three twenty nine Is not my word like a fire, fire and like a hammer that breaks the rocks in pieces? Well, that's the word of God, Hebrews 4, 12. The word of God is living. And powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and the discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. You sit there and you wonder, why do I have no answer to prayer? Why does this miracle elude me? Why do I have no peace in my mind or my heart? Why is my family life out of order? Why is this going on? I'll tell you why. Because the word of God and the fire of God has not become preeminent in your life. You've compromised. You've gone along to get along. You you have not done what the word says do. The refining process that began with the cross, the empty tomb in the upper room, that's the process. If you won't sit still, if you won't submit, if you are unwilling to tell the Holy Spirit, have your way with me, do whatever you will, burn it off, heal me, deliver me, empower me, take whatever you need to take, tell me what I need to give up, and then give it up when he tells you. 
Judgment is coming. But before that happens, there's a rescue operation that has to happen. Before the, the, you know, the end of a war, when they bring in the bombs and they bring in the tanks and they finally put the enemy down, they do everything they can to rescue the people and to rescue the victims and set the prisoners free. We're that resistance. We're the ones that are going before. We're the ones that are going ahead of that final fire. Because he wants to save. He wants to heal. He wants to deliver. Paul says in Ephesians 4, starting with verse 1, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, and with all lowliness and gentleness, with long suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and the Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. But to each one of us grace was given according to the measure of Messiah's gift. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. He gave us the example. He gave us the sword of the Spirit. He took captivity captive, and then he gave us the gifts to do the same, to be an occupying army, to being a a search-and-rescue army. It's all been there. It's in the Word, Hebrews 12, 29. Our God is a consuming fire. But then when he comes in and says, I want to clean this off of you. Oh, no, no, that hurts, that hurts. Um, you know, I kind of like that. It has sentimental value. I know it's bad for me. I know this person is dysfunctional, and 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 I know it's bad for me. But I'm I'm just going to hang in there and and keep doing what I'm doing, hoping for a different outcome. I really don't know what it's going to take. I also know that from the biblical example, there are going to be some that just won't get it. They just won't. You can't drag them. You can't convince them. You can't do it for them. If you are a fixer and an enabler, you're getting in God's way. You can't do it for somebody if they don't want to do it for themselves. Second Thessalonians one starting verse three, we are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is fitting, because your faith grows exceedingly, and the love of every one of you abounds towards each other, so that we ourselves boast of you among the churches of God, for your patience and faith in all your persecutions and tribulations that you endure, which is manifest evidence of the righteous judgment of God, that you may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God, for which you also suffer. Since it is a righteous thing with God to repay with tribulation those who trouble you. And to give you who are troubled rest with us when the Lord is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels. In flaming fire, taking vengeance on those who do not know God. And on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus the Messiah. These shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and the glory of his power when he comes in that day to be glorified in his saints and to be admired among all those who believe. Because of our testimony among you was believed. In flaming fire, the manifestation of the Son of Man, the apocalyptic imagery that we saw in Daniel seven thirteen. I was watching in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man, coming with the clouds of heaven. He came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. Same thing we see in Revelation 1, starting verse 10. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a loud voice as of a trumpet saying, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. What you see, write in a book and send it to the seven churches which are in Asia. And then he lists them in the order that the mail would be delivered, the message would be delivered. To Ephesus, to Smyrna, to Pergamos to Thyatira, to Sardis, to Philadelphia, and to Laodicea. And then I turned to see the voice that spoke with me. And having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of the seven lampstands, 
one like the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to his feet, girded about his chest with a golden band. His head and hair were like white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes like a flame of fire. Seven lampstands, of course, represent the churches, which are lights in a dark world, and the clothing he wore was of priestly royalty. The white hair, the flaming eyes, symbolizing eternity, wisdom, and omniscient, I personally believe that what you have described there in him is a tangible manifestation of what the Father looks like, but he does it through the Son. The divine truth that the look, the look of love for his people and a look of judgment for the world. King of kings and the Lord of lords, this is how he's returning to the earth. There is no baby Jesus. Drives me crazy when people talk about, oh, baby Jesus, help me. Baby Jesus grew up. He's been crucified. He died. He rose from the grave. He sits on the throne as a man. He's coming back as a man. And in him and given to us is the Holy Spirit fire of illumination, the fire of exposure, the fire of purification, the divine, powerful presence of the Lord in both protection and in the miraculous that makes the church extremely dangerous to the powers of darkness. When John said he will immerse you in fire, that's where we are. Spirit-filled witnesses to the truth, to the king, to the return of the king. And that is going to arouse antagonism in unbelievers, in the world, and in many parts of the church. So, Father, I come to you now as your son, crying out for your church, for your remnant to rise up and, like on the day of Pentecost, become fire-filled, fire-breathing believers that make us extremely dangerous to the kingdom of darkness, dangerous to the fallen, dangerous to Hasatan and his schemes and his arrogance and his ego, pathological, sociological, criminal. Make us dangerous, Lord. Change us. Help those that have been called to be chosen, to be ready, to be prepared. Give them words of fire. Give them prayers of fire. Give them a passion in their heart and in their mind of Holy Spirit fire. Let them be immersed in your Ruach HaKodesh right now as I speak, Lord. And for those of us that already burn, let us burn even more. Let us be nuclear reactors. Let us be explosive novas of the Holy Spirit in this fallen world. Let us scorch the ground we walk on. Let us burn the chains off of the, of the captives. Let us set them free. But let us also have a word that heals, a fire that heals, a fire that illuminates. Lord, we're desperate to be extremely dangerous for you. We're desperate for you, for more of you, for the freedom to be free of this fallen world and the fallen world system, the freedom to come and go, the freedom to do, the freedom to speak, the courage, the confidence. Let that word rise up inside of us. Let the fire in our bones come out. Let it be your word that comes out of our mouth, a word in due season, a word of encouragement, a word of warning, a word of revelation, a word of wisdom. We cry out to you, Lord, as your children, as your servants in this occupying army. And those of us that have answered the call are struggling. The harvest is great, the laborers are few, the warfare rages. We seek reinforcement. We seek aerial support. But whether it comes or not, we'll grab that sword and we'll rush headlong into the battle. We'll do what you've called us to do without any consideration for our own care or for ourselves. We'll cut and we'll flash and we'll speak and we'll cry and we'll scream and we'll shout and we'll dance. Filled with the spirit of the living God declaring ourselves as yours and putting the kingdom of darkness on notice that we, like the Book of Acts Church, are extremely 
dangerous. And I pray this in Yeshua's name. Amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace, give you shalom. I'm Richard Grund. This has been The Porch on Firefall Talk Radio. Finding the next job is a big job, and that part of what you do is a little tough right now. Because of that, Lowe's for Pros is here to help. Get $400 in leads on us with a free one-year subscription from HomeAdvisor to connect to jobs that make sense for you. Sign up at lowesforpros.com slash proloyalty to get started. Just one more reason why Lowe's is the new home for pros. Now let's get to work. Subscription and $400 lead credit subject to HomeAdvisor's approval and terms. Valid for new HomeAdvisor customers only. Lowe's loyalty required. More terms apply. Valid through 99 US only.